This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, you notice what shirt I'm wearing? I want to give a shout out to Andy Krasna, my good friend. I'm wearing the New Hope Sobery Girls basketball shirt. Uh, so I figured I'd give a shout out. I was talking to him today and I figured I'd put the shirt on for this Daniel talk. Good, good to talk to you, Andy. And uh, also, the, my name is Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church, and we're in the Daniel series, and we're going to finish up Daniel chapter 6 today. And we're at the classic story, Daniel and the Lion's Den. Daniel and the Lion's Den, Daniel 6, 11 to 28. Now, the last time we did the beginning of Daniel 6, we saw that the trap was set. Today, that we're, we're going to see that the trap is sprung. Daniel is going to be trapped like a rat. I use that all the time when I'm chasing the kids and I get them cornered and go, you're trapped like a rat, you know, and, and uh, he's trapped like a rat by the big cats, by the big cats. Cats are killers. Cats are natural, lions, natural killers, but all cats are natural killers. We don't have lions around, but we have lots of cats. They bring up anim dead animals every morning. I got to get the shovel and throw them out in the weeds. Uh, they're always here, but on the farm, I really saw what cats could do. <laughs> I got to witness some very crazy things. And the craziest thing on the farm, I got a picture probably showing right now about the farm, but on the farm we had a corn cribs. We had the two corn cribs right next to each other. And when, when we finally emptied the last corn crib, it, we had a, uh, it was a crazy time. The last load, my dad would go in and start shoveling. There was a one last pile of corn in the last corn crib. That was all that was left. He would go in and start shoveling and you can't believe what was there. There was, it was loaded with mice and rats. You, you, and, and I know this is going to sound cruel to a lot of you growing up in the city, but rats and mice are the, the ultimate enemy of the farmer. They're destroying his crops, they're diseased, all kinds of terrible things. So anything we can do to get rid of mice and rats, we do it. Uh, cats everywhere. We had about 25 cats at a time working overtime, just killing rodents. It's shocking how many there are out there. And so we get to this last load and we got to get rid of these mice and rats. That It's literally this little pile is loaded, shockingly, because the whole two corn cribs have been condensed into this one little pile. And so every year, last load, the neighborhood kids, we'd call them. They all knew it was coming. They'd come running over their baseball bats and they'd circle the, the corn crib. And, and the cats would know it was coming when they saw us out there. The cats from the barn would all come out and circle the they're like lions and the dogs would be getting on it they were waiting for the rats you know the dogs would were excited about hunting these rats <clears throat> and so they'd all come out here and my dad would start to shovel and the first shovel nothing second shovel nothing but then all of a sudden a little mouse would shoot on out and a cat would jump on it then another little mouse would jump out and a cat would shoot on it and we jump on it and we would we the, the kids we would all get behind the cats and dogs but whatever got past them we would try to get and not much got past but every once in a while one get past whack with a bat uh, but what often got through were the rats the, there were some huge scary rats would come out of this corn pile I don't know where they were living but they'd come out of there and huge rats and they would get past the cats the cat might get the smaller rats but then the the bigger ones the dog might might get it and he would shake it you know they grab him by the back and shake him throw him up in the air grab him again shake him throw him up in the air but every once in a while a big rat would come through that and even the dogs wouldn't want to mess with come through and we would try to get him with the bats and even we were scared of him i never forgot he chased this one all the way out from the corn crib i kept chasing him he went all the way around by the 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 silo our silo and i got him cornered in the barnyard and he turned around and, and he was like big he turned around and I, 
I walked away. I, I mean, I was only about 12 or 13, but I walked away with my baseball bat. He was vicious. I let that one go. It always bothered me that I let him go. But anyway, the, the it was crazy. And we had this one, this was went on. You can't imagine the numbers. I don't even know. Hundreds would come out. And the the one cat, we had this one super mousing cat. Her name was Annalie, named after my aunt next door. She was the sweetest cat, our favorite cat. Everybody hugged her and held, you know, she was just the best cat. But she was a super mouser and she was always always pregnant she was always having kittens always having kittens and and the one time we were doing this she was pregnant you know with kittens and we start this this hunt and she's killing them and eating them and killing them and eating them and and all of a sudden she stops looks around and runs away we're like oh where'd Anley go oh wow she must be full and a little bit about 10 minutes later she came back and she sat there and she grabbed the mouse and she didn't eat it she ran away with the mouse Came back again, got another one, ran away with a mouse. She just kept doing this, running away. I'm like, what is she doing? So when this whole thing was over, the the uh, the war was over, it, we I, I followed her the last time. I said, I wonder what she's doing. And I followed her. Turned out she had eaten some mice and got so full that she decided to just have the kittens. <laughs> she got too full. And so she went and had the kittens, came back, left the kittens in her little spot that she had made for them a little blanket was there a little couple rags and a little hole in the it was the oil shop that she kept them in a little hiding spot but then she went and started killing mice and bringing them over and she had so here's her little kittens in her little nest and then right next to it is a pile of mice (laughs) that's about 10 15 mice in a pile here's her eight kittens and 10 15 mice and so then she's sitting there nursing her little baby kittens taking care of them and she'd reach over and you know, grab a mouse every once in a while and eat it. It was hilarious. That that was that was life on the farm. But maybe uh, talk about trapped like rats, right? Maybe what some of you are feeling like today, trapped like a rat in a lion's den, surrounded by these 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 lions, these these mad cats. I hope that no matter what you're feeling like today, you will be encouraged after seeing what Daniel goes through and what happens and how God delivers him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of Daniel. We thank you that no matter what we're facing, we know that you are in control. You are in total control and we can trust you for it. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would speak to us now through your word and encourage us no matter what we're facing. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's pick it up in Daniel chapter 6. We start off with verse 11 and we see that the trap is sprung. We saw the trap was set last time. Now we see the trap is sprung. Then these men, remember the satraps and rulers who were trying to trap Daniel. Make sure you listen to the last one if you haven't heard it. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about the royal decree. Did you not publish a decree? During the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. <laughs> they found Daniel praying, and they tied the king down. Notice the uh, the progression and hostility to God. Nebuchadnezzar said, "You can worship, you can worship, you have to worship my God 
too. You can worship your gods, but you have to worship my God too, right? Darius says you have to worship me alone, me alone. And it reminds me of the United States today, the progression we're seeing. All gods are the same. They're all the same gods. And now it's morphing to any god but the Christian god. We feel that pressure coming. And we know that it's setting up for Revelation 13, 11 to 18, where, where only one person is going to be worshipped, allowed to be worshipped. Let me read it to you. Revelation 11... 13, Revelation 13, 11 to 18. Once again, Daniel, Revelation are closely aligned. You cannot understand Revelation without understanding Daniel. Verse 11, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of the signs... Uh, because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the earth, he... He just, I'm going to read that again. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, oh, there we go, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The Antichrist, we'll be looking at that more and more. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for there is a man's number. His number is 666. Not being able to buy and sell unless you have this special mark. Not hard to imagine with all the, the computer chip discussion going on right now, right? Uh, to, to monitor our health and to be able to know where we track where we are and so that we can buy and sell and get medical treatment, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we all know where this is headed. It's all being set up. <clears throat> so it's all being set up. So this is a picture. This, what hap what's happening here with Daniel in the lines then is a picture of what we're going to see it fulfilled in Revelation, especially Revelation 13. And then these guys accuse Daniel. They accuse Daniel, Daniel the Jew, the, the exile from Judah, the Jew, right? Not President Daniel, which was his title. He was one of the presidents. No, Daniel the exile from Judah. What is it showing? It's really anti-Semitism. Just like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Incredible anti-Semitism even here in the book of Daniel. It's still continuing today. It's Satan's attack on God's chosen people, God's special chosen people. The world hates God's people. It hated the Jews first. And now it hates the Christians who follow, uh, follow the one true God, just like the Jews do. We follow Jehovah God, although we believe in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. Uh, so it's now, now we're being attacked. It's increasing. There have been more martyrs in the last century than there were in the first 19 centuries combined. Combined. It's increasing. USA, it's coming here. It, the, the pressures are increasing. It's coming here. We're getting blamed for everything. Uh, in fact, even, I don't know if you followed the story, the, the, um, let me pull it out here. The Harvard professor blames Christians. He calls them a malignant delusion for the anti-lockdown protest. Uh, he's, a, he's blaming us for the, the anti-lockdown. Turns out Christians have actually followed, they've done studies, Christians actually followed the, the, the lockdown rules better than any other group. 
but we're being blamed. Listen to what he says. A Harvard professor and a public intellectual said that evangelical Christianity was to blame for the movement against the lockdown over the coronavirus. He said, Steve Pinker posted a tweet and supported the thesis being put forth in an opinion in the piece in the Washington Post criticizing evangelical Christians' worldview for lockdown protests. Belief in an afterlife is a malignant delusion since it devalues actual lives and discourages action that would make them longer, safer, and happier. Uh, and he goes on and on and attacks evangelical Christians. We're a malignant delusion. A malignant delusion. It's coming here. I, you, I'm telling you, it's coming here. Uh, and, and so we see Daniel gets accused and then there's no way out. Look at verse, back to chapter 6, verse 14, <clears throat> where it says, Daniel in the lion's den, uh, chapter, verse 14, when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So there's no way out. King Darius is distressed. He loves Daniel, respects him. He tries to rescue him. It's obviously that he likes him and respects and respects them, but the law can't be changed. And so it's into the lion's den. Verse 16, into the lion's den. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. So, Darius says, I hope God rescues you. This is a powerful testimony for Daniel's faith. Powerful testimony, right? And so he, he he's going to put him into the uh, lion's den, <clears throat> throw him into the lion's den. They've actually found one of these in Morocco. And what it was is a, they've ex excavated it. It was a, a, a cistern with a movable wall. And they would put somebody through the top of that a hole in the top, drop him down, put a rock over the top. And once they got to the bottom, the wall would move and let the lions out to eat the victim. That's what they've actually found this uh, in Morocco. So they, they threw Daniel in. <clears throat> Why do you think they made throwing him in part of the law? Why couldn't he have been lowered in with a rope? Why couldn't he have been given a ladder to climb down in? Why did they make the rule throw him in? They want to add insult to injury, right? They, he's 90 years old. And they must really hate this guy to make that part of the law that we're going to throw him in, break his bones. They, most people that age fall, they break a hip bone. <clears throat> they throw Daniel in. They must really hate him. And then the stone was placed over the top and sealed. What does that remind you of? Who else was put into a hole with a stone with a seal on it? We all, it will come to us. And then the king was sleepless in Seattle. Oh, I mean Babylon. Sleepless in Babylon. He couldn't sleep. He couldn't even pray. Because if he prayed, what would that have done? Would have broke his law. He, he, did, he didn't know Daniel's God, but even if he did, he couldn't talk to him. He couldn't talk to any God. Uh, because he would have had to jump in with Daniel. He would have been to jump in and, with Daniel into the lion's den. And this is a picture of the world in a crisis. When the world is in a crisis, it has no one to turn to. 
has no one to turn to. That's, he, he, he couldn't sleep. This guy couldn't sleep. That's why so many Americans can't sleep uh, because they don't have God to talk to. And when you don't have God to talk to, you have, you have no way to relieve the tension and the stress and the, and the pressures and no one to turn to to help you work through the, the trials that we're facing. Imagine that. There's no one, just themselves. It's completely hopeless. Imagine that. Remember that. We all were there. Remember that was like, think of your worst crisis, your worst nightmare that you have faced or are facing. Now imagine facing that without God. Without God. Facing it without faith in Jesus Christ. Imagine facing that. That's what the world is facing. That's why they have no hope. That's why they can't sleep. That's why they're so upset. So Daniel lands with a thud. He lands with a thud. In the dark, it stinks. There's lots of bones there. There, He can hear the growling through the wall, and then the wall starts to move. Imagine the, what he imagine the, what he feels like. Can you imagine? Have you ever... I, I, can, I can give a little picture, not to the lion part, but I can give a, a picture to what it feels like to, to fall into a dark pit and not be able to get out. The, the, that shock and the disorientation and, and the, the, the terror. I can, I can relate to that. Uh, on the farm, we, had, we used to have to stack the straw. We didn't stack the hay, we just piled it up. But the straw, we had to stack it to get it all in. And we, one time, my brother Billy had a friend named Ed Roftus. And he and Ed were in charge of stacking. I was bringing the loads. My dad and I were bringing the loads and giving them to them. They were stacking. We'd go get another load out of the field, bring it back. But they stacked all day long, and they stacked hundreds of bales. And this wall, when we got back, there was a wall, because it was all stacked in the one section of the barn. There was a wall of straw, 30, 40 feet high. And, and right in the middle, there was a, an entrance, and right... Coming out was an exit. I was so excited. They built a straw tunnel. We used to love to build tunnels in the hay and in the straw and crawl in and we would use them all summer. It was so much fun. And, and, and Billy and Ed did this and they said, yep, we did it. We put a tunnel in. We put a tunnel in. Come on, Chucky, get up here. You can go into it. And I was so excited. I climbed up the side. It's about 20 feet high. I climbed up the side. I get into the entrance and they said, follow us. And they went shooting at Ed and Billy went flying through there and it was pitch black. Couldn't see him, but I could hear him laughing up ahead. And so I'm following him. I'm trying to go through this, trying to follow him. I'm bumping because it, 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 they put zigzags and everything and into it. And I'm going through and trying to file my way. And all of a sudden, nothing. I was free falling in the pitch dark in this straw tunnel. I, I was in shock. You talk about d pitch black, musty. Can't really smell. Can't really breathe that well. It's all musty. Uh, and 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 falling into the dark. And I land head first into the. I don't know what happened. I was terrified. I was disorientated. I was shocked. Really, I was trapped. I started feeling around. I'm completely trapped. But instead of lions growling, I heard laughter. It was Billy and Ed laughing because they had built these little ledges on the side and, and or they built a pit about 10 feet deep and then they put these little ledges on the side and as they went through, they went on the ledges with their hands and feet because they knew where it was based on the turns. I didn't. I just went head first into this thing. I was crashed and they were laughing, laughing. Thought, they thought that was so, they thought that was so funny and uh, it was a miracle I didn't break my neck, right? And so what did I do? 
I climbed out and said, this is great. Let me go get my brothers and sisters. And we went and got our siblings and did the same thing to all of them. Then we called all of our friends. and got all our friends from all the neighborhood. I had other friends coming from, you know, getting dropped off. I said, I've got a great hay tunnel, great hay tunnel. All summer long, we were doing this to people. It was hilarious. Sometimes we had three or four people falling into that pit together. It was hilarious. Uh, how no one was... No one broke a bone. No necks were broken. No one died. I don't know how. <laughs> head feet, head first, 10 feet down into a dark pit with other people falling on top of them. It's crazy. But that's what farm kids do. Guardian angels, guardian angels. Uh, kept us entertained all summer. Maybe you feel like that today, though. Maybe you feel like Daniel crashed, lost. Let's see what happens next because there's a, there's a, we see God's amazing protection. Verses 19 and 20. Verses 19 and 20. Then, uh, oh, hold on. Okay, here we go. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions. Whoo! Wow. The king is anxious. The word, when, the word for hurried here, if you do a word study, it, see it's combined with alarm and dismay. He's hoping but not expecting a positive outcome. Because it's never happened before. He's hoping against all hope, but not really expecting anything good to come from. Reminds me of the, the movie, The World Trade Center. I don't know if you've seen that Nicolas Cage, World Trade Center. If you haven't watched it, uh, it's, it's hard to watch in some ways, but it's awesome to watch too. It's amazing to watch. But they showed how the World Trade Centers come down and people were, the policemen and firemen were picking their way, trying to find survivors. But one guy snuck his way in. He was a former, uh, uh, former, army or marine guy uh, he was in the service one of the services and he and he came and he said i'm going to help out too and he snuck in there even though he wasn't supposed to be there he he got in there and he starts looking it's pitch black it's dark there's fires and smoke it it, it was like crazy and, and he's calling 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 all these little different holes that he can see impossible right and all of a sudden he heard he thought he heard a voice thought he heard a, a faint voice. And he calls again, and then he hears a tapping because one of the guys down in there was tapping. These three guys are crushed almost and trapped, alive. And they're tapping with the metal pipe. And he calls and gets help and, and, and gets everybody to come in. I'm not going to tell you what happened, but watch it. But the only three people they found alive in the World Trade Center after the collapse. An amazing movie. But that's the picture. It was you, impossible. And yet here hear what did he hear he didn't hear a, a pipe tapping he heard daniel respond in verse 21 daniel answered O king live forever my god sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions they have not hurt me not because i was found innocent in his sight uh, no, I'm, they have not hurt me because, I'm sorry, they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now, 
Let me say this because this is a picture. End times persecution. Even if he was killed, he was still going to be okay. Right? Even if he had died, he was still going to be okay because instead of Darius lifting him out, it would have been God lifting him out, bringing him up to heaven. He's, God has the power to preserve us anytime from anything. And sometimes he chooses to rescue us for his purpose. And sometimes he chooses to bring us home for his purpose. Sometimes he allows us to be going through serious trials for his purpose. Either way, we're okay because we're in God's hands. But this proves that God could save any of us anytime from anything. Whether it's trials that we're facing today, whether it's the coronavirus, whether it's cancer, whether it's persecution, whether it's riots, look at all the riots going on right now, uh, whether it's riots, what, whatever, whatever, God has the power to protect us. And he will if it's according to his purpose. And he did with Daniel. That was his purpose, to prove to all of us, to show all of us we can trust God. And notice when Daniel gives his little sermon, this is really a sermon, right? Uh, let me read here. Uh, yeah, he really gives a little sermon here. I think I would have climbed out first <laughs> before giving my little sermon. It's amazing that he could testify surrounded by all these lions, you know? But he's probably been petting them all night because the angel shut their mouth. Hi, little kitty, kitty. You know, he's probably having a good time like in the zoo. But what is our response in a crisis? God, get me out of here, right? That's all we can think about. God, get me out of here, right? But Daniel, that wasn't his prayer. Daniel praised God in the midst of the trial. That was real faith, surrounded by the lions. That was real faith. He was really free. It reminds me of the Casting Crown song, In the Midst of the Storm. That's a great one to listen to. In the Midst of the Storm. And it's interesting that Daniel... In the midst of this whole crisis, he only spoke two times. Did you realize that? Here. And what was the first time? Verse 10, when he prayed. He prayed, and now we find him praising God. The only two things. Amazing. He, he's not, there's no arguing or defending himself, no whining or complaining, no cursing or freaking out. Just prayer and praise. Hmm, maybe we could learn a couple lessons from that one. What do you think? Anyway, uh, so anyway, we get back to the wise guys now here in verse, the wise guys in verse 24. Listen to what happens to them. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered and crushed all their bones. Well, yeah. They're probably extra hungry. They're watching Daniel all night long, smelling him all night long, but they couldn't get their mouths open. <laughs> they were had to be really hungry. But uh, the, the word study for these wise guys, the ones who had falsely accused him, is to the word study says literally to devour, to eat or to devour. That's what they did to Daniel. They they, they accused him. They literally they they devoured him. They ate him. But look what happens. This is literally what happens to them now, right? And it sounds harsh what happened to them and their families, but the law of retaliation was a Persian law also, a custom that they were well aware of before they ever did anything to Daniel. They were well aware of that. But also Josephus, the historian, gives even a more background that helps us to even shed more light on what, why they were eaten. Because maybe Darius pulls them out and maybe they don't get eaten. But 
Why did he throw all of them in and their wives and the families? Well, Josephus gives the rest of the story. The Bible just gave the, the basics here, but the rest of the story, listen to what Josephus says. Now, talking about Daniel. Now, when his enemies saw that Daniel had survived, suffered nothing, which was terrible, they would not own that he was preserved by God and by his providence. But they said that the lions had been filled with food on account and uh, they said the king, somebody had fed these lions. Somebody snuck the food into them so they weren't hungry when Daniel was thrown in. So the king gave the order that they, they should throw in a great deal of flesh to the lions. Feed them. Let them have their fill. Fed them. And when they had filled themselves, he gave further order that Daniel's enemies should be cast into the lion's den. That he might learn whether the lions, now that they were full, would touch them or not. They pushed things a little too far, didn't these wise guys? And Darius, the scientific mind that he has, says, feed the lions and let's see what they do to you guys. Uh, and then it became plain to Darius that it was God who preserved Daniel, for the lions spared none of them, but tore them all to pieces as if they had been very hungry and wanted food. So we see the, the rest of the story. The rest of the story, why? These guys pushed it too far and they get eaten, right? And, and, it, and it's, it, it's a picture. Remember, this is a prophetic picture. A prophetic picture. This is a type. Darius and Daniel is a picture of Revelation 13, which we already read, about the mark of the beast and the persecution. But we know that that as part of the persecution, anybody who won't take the mark of the beast is going to be hunted, is going to be killed. Very few of us are going to survive. Just a remnant is going to survive of Christians and also the, the Jewish remnant that's going to be left in Israel. But the rest of the picture, all the people that have hunted us, we're going to, we're going to see what happens to them. Just, not the lions then, but something far, far worse. In fact, in Revelation 14, 9 to 11, it says what happens to all the people that take the mark of the beast and end up hunting us and, and persecuting us and, 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 and killing us. In verse 14, verse, chapter 14, verse 9 says this, A third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on the hand, he too will drink the wine drink of the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image, or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's command and remain faithful to Jesus. So, all of those, every man, woman, and child who takes the mark of the beast, don't take it. Don't take it. Who takes that mark is going to spend eternity burning in hell. Eternity burning in hell. And, and there are people that say, well, hell, hell isn't real. Everybody's going to get a second chance. Uh, you know, you're going to you'll earn your way out of hell, out of purgatory. You're going to earn your way out somehow. Or you know you, you hear, or or you'll be dissolved. God will throw you into hell, and you'll just be dissolved. Well, we can say this for sure: everybody who takes the mark, and there will be billions of them. Let's say there's 10 billion people at this time. Figure seven billion people who take the mark are going to spend an eternity burning in hell, alive, burning in hell. We know that for sure. 
Now, the, the rest of everybody leading up to it, I wouldn't take a chance on it. I wouldn't take a chance on it. Whatever your theology is, I wouldn't take a chance on it. So then we come to uh, Daniel chapter 6 again, verses 25 to 27, where it says, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. When other people, he glorified God and he made sure everybody else in in Babylon glorified God. When other people, People see how God brings us through our trials and how we handle it. They're, they're going to be touched. They're going to be drawn to faith in God. They're going to be drawn to Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, this progression, that Darius goes beyond Nebuchadnezzar. Not only, way beyond even what Nebuchadnezzar said, not only did he personally praise him, but he orders everyone else to praise him also. To praise him also. And then in verse 28, we see that... They all lived happily ever after. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. We, they all, Daniel lived happily ever after. And, and obviously we don't all live happily ever after here on earth, although Daniel did, but we know that in heaven, if we put our faith in God and we trust in Jesus Christ, we are going to live forever with God someday. We're in heaven. And this is meant to encourage Israel. At this time, God is still in control. They're getting ready to go back to the promised land. Tough times are ahead. And it's meant to encourage them for the, to, to go back, the remnant, to go back to Israel, that God is in control. It's meant for us today too. It's meant to encourage us no matter what we are facing. It's tough, but we can take the land. Remember Joshua, the promised land. We can take the land in our spiritual battle. Whatever spiritual battles we are facing, we can take the land. And it's also for the end times. This is preparing us for the book of Revelation the end times which are quickly approaching USA today. We're seeing the signs of it all already. It's, it, the, these same things can happen here. We have outlined that. We're seeing the signs that it's going to happen here. You'll be hated out by all nations on account of my name, Matthew 24, remember? And that includes the USA today. Will we be faithful no matter what the cost? Will we be like Daniel? Like Daniel. The secret, verse 23, he trusted in his God. He trusted in his God. That is the secret. Faith is the vital to survival. If we're going to survive the ultimate lion's attack, we have to do it by faith in God. By faith. That's the only way. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 talks about the ultimate lion's attack. The ultimate lion's attack in 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9. Satan, the lion, is on the attack. Listen to this. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Resist him standing firm in the faith. Satan is on the attack, but God is able to deliver us from any attack that we face, any temptation that we face, any trial that we face. And faith is the key for Daniel, for us today, and in the time of revelation when we face the incredible persecutions that are coming. Today, no matter what we're facing, faith is the key. 
Faith is the key. I was reading Voice of the Martyrs, and I saved this one because it was so good. Shows you that God still delivers the Daniel, still today, still delivers Daniel. He says, in the prison of Belen, in the country of Bulgaria, brother Trofim Dimitrov was thrown into a pit of hungry dogs. Naked prisoners were thrown into it if they broke some prison rule. While being led to the pit, he prayed for his enemies who were leading him to the pit and soon threw him in. Immediately, a great howling was heard. When the officers looked into the pit, they saw Brother Dimitrov kneeling in prayer and the dogs in a panic barking and trying to jump the walls in order to save themselves from the strange power emanating from him. It still happens today. God still has the power to deliver us from anything today or to preserve us in the midst of that trial, whatever we're going through, or to bring us home. He's got the power, the resurrection power, whatever his purpose is. We see this in Hebrew. What Hebrews, wait till I read that in just a moment. What is your lion's den today? What are you facing? What trial, what crisis, what are you facing? Will we keep the faith no matter what we're facing? We allow God to use it for his glory, to share Jesus Christ with other people, that bring them to faith through, through what we're going through, no matter what the outcome is. Will we trust God to work His purpose and to reach people? Will we trust Him on that? Hebrews 11. <clears throat> In Hebrews 11, let me read it to you. Hebrews 11.32 talks about the hall of faith. Many of the same people we've been reading about here. The hall of faith. When it, starting with verse 32, talking about the great uh, saints. In Hebrews chapter 11, let me read it to you. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions. We know who that is. Uh, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames. We know who that is. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. We saw that Elijah and Elisha. If you weren't following that whole, that was those two life sermon series, get a hold of them. But all sounds great. We've been reading God's Delivers. But all of a sudden, whoa-oh. Change in plan. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. Isaiah the prophet sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all, these were all, now both groups, the ones who were delivered and the ones who weren't delivered on earth, who went through, were faithful unto death. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them had received what had been promised. They were still commended. Sorry, word of faith, false teachers. They, they didn't receive what they were promised. But they were still commended for their faith. Still, because this is real faith. Verse 40, God had planned something better for us so that only together would, uh, with us would they be made perfect. When's it going to happen? In heaven. 
made perfect in heaven. Real faith trusts God no matter what, whether we're delivered or whether we're not delivered here on earth, we're delivered in heaven because we know the ultimate ending. We're, and, and that's why we need to be ready for the end times persecution in the book of Revelation that we hit next. We know the ultimate ending. We know the book of Revelation. We read the last chapter. We win because God wins. We win, right? Do you have that power? Do you have that assurance? Do you know the, have the power? Do you want the power to face death and even and everything that life face death and everything that life that throws at you right, right here on this earth? Do you want the power to face that? All trials, all crises, we, we all face them. We all face trials and crises and suffering and death. We all are going to face that. The only question is, are you going to face it alone or are you going to face it by God's grace? And the only way to have God's grace is by receiving His mercy first. And we receive His mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, do you have that assurance? Do you have that power? Have you ever put your faith in God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness, for eternal life, for mercy and grace here on this earth for what you're facing? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross in our place, took our sin and punishment and shame on himself so that we could put our faith in him and have a relationship with God here on this earth and for all, all of eternity. eternity. Eternal life starts the moment we put our faith in Jesus. Have you ever done that? Do you want that power? You can have that power right now by putting your faith in Jesus. It's a prayer of faith. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you're not sure you've done that, I want to encourage you to pray the prayer of faith and, and to put your faith in Jesus Christ. The simple prayer of faith, God, I repent of my old life, of the sin, all the garbage in my life. I repent of that. I walk away from that. I ask you to forgive me through your son Jesus. I come to the cross to find my forgiveness. I put my faith in Jesus and what he did on that cross for me. I give my life to him. And while we're praying about that, I want to put the prayer out to those who've already put their faith in Christ. You know you're a Christian, but how is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What is God putting you through? What trial? After, after salvation comes sanctification, and sanctification involves a lot of suffering. What is God putting you through? Are you able to be like Daniel in that pit, surrounded by your trial, and still say, God is great. God is with me. I know God's going to bring me through, whether here, there, or in the air, He's going to bring me through. 
Father, I pray that each person who hears this would put their faith in Jesus. And each person here who is, is a Christian, that we would put our faith in you, God, no matter what you are doing, trusting you, letting your power shine through these broken vessels that we are. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you have put your faith in Jesus, to let somebody know. And if you have nobody that you can tell, then tell me. I'll connect you with a good church or Bible study or something. To, I'll be excited for you and someone that can encourage you. My email, I always share at nhcc at comcast.net. God bless.